So when we, uh, when we think about the week um, we've just had, um, people we relate to, the people we hang out with, um, the challenges of the week. Thanks, Cliffy. Um, we might think about our week. The good, the bad, and the ugly. You see, all of us in our week come across this every week. If I sit and reflect on my week, there's been some good things, some bad things, and there's been some ugly things. And when we think about those things, we're going to talk about mercy. Mercy in the... Definition, if we want to look at the uh, uh, Merriam-Webster's unabridged, a compassion or forbearance shown especially to an offender or to one subject to one's power also, lenient or compassionate treatment begged for mercy, imprisonment rather than death imposed as a penalty for first-degree murder, blessing that is an act of divine favour or compassion. May God have mercy on us. Mercy is showing love to people that aren't all that lovely and desirable. Mercy is showing love to people who are hard to love. Mercy is showing love to folks who aren't attractive or popular or in fact fun to be around. The definition for mercy for us might sound like this. Mercy fuels compassion, providing promising glints of light in the darkened world. It's kindness, forward forgiveness and empathy. Mercy chooses not to be offended and compassionately sees a hurting heart behind the hurtful words. God's mercy is reflected in the cross of Christ, a direct reflection of his love for us. Mercy is an extension of an expression of love, an act of kindness, compassion or favour. Mercy is a characteristic of the one true God. And when you think about mercy, I mean, I'm sure you do it every week, you think about your spiritual gifts. Because mercy is one of them. And, and some are probably going to think, you know, CS and the mercy probably don't go together, but I thought I'd share my spiritual gifts with you and you'll see that mercy's there. Um, and in fact, when you look at all my 15s and 16s, I'm a pretty well-balanced character. So I just want to let you know that, you know, that my mercy is up with everything else there, my teaching, my exhortation, my serving and my giving, it's all on a balance. So I'm well-balanced, okay? So hopefully I'm going to learn something out of this as well. Um, as we go through talking about mercy. So what does the Bible say about mercy? That song. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new Every morning. 
Great is your faithfulness. You see, every morning when you get out of bed, you're being topped up with mercy. Do you think about that? Do you think that topping up allows you to go out and be merciful? Because you're getting it every morning. Every morning you wake up. God's plan stems from his merciful love for his people. Knowing there was nothing we could do to earn our way into his presence. He made a way through the crucifixion of Christ. Defeating death, Jesus opened up access to God for us. Through prayer, God's word and the Holy Spirit living in each of us. And each day he brings a fresh new mercy. Every morning, every morning, God is faithful. Even though every day we fall short. Mercy is God's gift to the repentant heart. In Psalms, the psalmist says, You are forgiving and good, O Lord, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. In the day of my trouble, I will call to you, for you will answer me. Hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. I will call to you. The prayer is for God's mercy. And the phrase, cry for mercy, is a prayer from a needy heart. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4, But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy makes us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Over against man's ill-natured rejection of God, Paul sets God's gracious acceptance of man in Christ. Though we cannot approve of sin, if he is to remain righteous, God is not hostile toward those he has created. He loves them and has made possible their reconciliation to himself. He had decided to destroy his stubborn children. He would have entirely been justified and nothing could have averted that catastrophe. Instead, love led to mercy. That is God's compassion for the helpless, issuing in action for their relief. There is an exhaustible treasury of such mercy in the loving heart of God. As we're told in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit. What is God's mercy? We're told in James chapter 3, the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, 
gentle at all times and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy. God's mercy and translators usually it's forgiveness and compassion. But what we do in response to God's mercy sends an important message to the people in our lives. How we treat the good, the bad and the ugly sends a very loud message. James is very clear in his letter that though deeds are not required to earn God's favour, a repentant heart that loves God will surely be evident by the lives we live. In his article, Have Mercy on Me, David Matthias says, when God shows his mercy, he does so with intentionality and strength. And we as his creatures get our deepest glimpse of who he is, not just in his sovereignty, but his goodness. James describes his, this wisdom as peace-loving in contrast to the bitter spirit of competitiveness and selfish ambition that he describes in verse 14. Next, this godly wisdom is considerate. This is one of the great words of character description in the New Testament. In the Septuagint, it is used mostly of God's disposition as king. He is gentle and kind, although in reality he has every reason to be stern and punitive toward men in their sin. God's people also are to be marked by this godlike quality. Not insisting on their rights according to the letter of the law, but exercising love's leniency instead. The attitude that comes from God is full of mercy and good fruit. Altogether, compassionate, heavenly wisdom is always ready to help those who are in need. Furthermore, it is impartial, showing no favouritism and discriminating against no one. Finally, this wisdom is sincere or without hypocrisy. Far from being theoretical and speculative, James's concept of wisdom is thoroughly practical. It is this understanding and attitude that results in true piety and godliness. In Exodus chapter 34, the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord... The Lord, our God, merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of their fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. The gracious God bestows his unmerited favour on those who have no claim whatsoever on it. His graciousness is explicated by slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. 
But his grace is balanced, for he does not leave the guilty unpunished. The other side of our merciful and loving God is his justice and righteousness. Woe to them who reject God's grace. His chastisement will be felt to the third and fourth generations. When we look at some examples of mercy in the Bible, there are many, but let me just go through a couple. We talk about the Exodus in verse, chapter 16 and verse 3. If only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. There we sat around pots of meat and ate all the food we wanted. But you have brought us out into the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. This time the people are grumbling about the amount of food and the lack of meat in verse 3. Suddenly, the Israelites start thinking that Egypt seems like peaches and cream, or in their case, pots of meat, rather than bondage and slave drivers. But we know God certainly chose to be merciful to his people. He loved them, despite their rebellion and ungratefulness. God's covenant with them was out of his mercy. He chose to bless them, with what they did not deserve. I have heard the grumbling of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. He answered their complaints with food, water, protection and provision. The story of the Exodus is repeated many times in the Bible and referenced in regards to many of the characteristics of God, including mercy. King David in the Psalms, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, blot out my transgressions. David, a man after God's own heart, Slayer of the giant Goliath and chosen king. Committed adultery. He was in desperate need of divine forgiveness. The sinner can do nothing but cast himself on God's mercy. God will never falter in his mercy for us. When sin disrupts the fellowship with the covenant Lord, the sinner has no right to divine blessings. However, the Lord has promised to forgive. And his forgiveness is based solely on his love and compassion. The psalmist appeals to the Lord's love and his great compassion. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. David pleaded and God heard him. The Lord has taken away your sin you are not going to die, as we're told in Second Samuel chapter 2. Through the consequences of our bad choices and hard and harsh, our merciful God never leaves us. And we have Paul. While I was stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And Saul was there. 
giving approval to his death. Paul supported the crusade against Christianity. He was responsible for the death of Christians. And then he ran into Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. He replied in Acts chapter 9 verse 5. Saul was struck blind but opened his eyes to see Jesus. Jesus' mercy to forgive him ignited his faith and propelled him forward like nothing we'd seen. Paul went on to survive shipwrecks, jail, beatings and other calamities, all the while writing letters to encourage the churches he was planting along the way. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, Romans chapter 1 and verse 1. Paul, in every letter he wrote, magnified mercy. He had experienced it firsthand. In John chapter 8, Jesus stood, stooped down and wrote in the dust with his finger, but let the one who has never seen sinned throw the first stone. We have a situation here where the Pharisees are trying to trip up Jesus and the adulterous woman is there. We don't know what he was writing in the dust, but Jesus' mercy spoke loud enough for all to hear and be convicted. The men scattered and to the woman Jesus said, Where are your accusers? Didn't even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. Mercy is forgiveness and compassion extended to those who do not deserve it. Mercy, the accusers and the adulterers, he chooses to extend mercy to us and he's unchanging and we cannot fail our way out of God's love. One of the benefits of God's mercy, Luke chapter 6, love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. And you will be children of the Most High because God is kind. God is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Look at the next bit. Be merciful just as your Father is merciful. That's the challenge for us. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. The benefits of God's mercy include peace, love and joy. None of the behaviours Luke speaks of come naturally. In Christ, mercy and truth meet together. Christ-centred people like you and I see the world through his perspective. 
And his love flows through our lives. When we are merciful to others, it brings their hearts and ours joy. When we submit to his merciful ways, we choose to acknowledge peace. Apart from Christ, that is impossible. Thankfully, his mercies are new every morning. Psalm 86 and 15 says, But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Turn to me and have mercy on me. Show your strength on behalf of your servant. Save me. Believers are to be like what they really are. Verse 35, sons of the Most High. And as such, we'll have recognition. Jesus is not teaching that one earns sonship. Rather, the day will come when the world will recognise God's children, as we're told in Romans chapter 8 and verses 19. What does mercy mean for Christians? In Proverbs 3, 27, whenever you possibly can, do good to those who need it. Our society is entrenched with entitlement alongside the ever-prevalent needy and oppressed. We're not to sit idle. Our natural tendency is to act in sinful, selfish ways. It is only with a transformed heart that we can truly be merciful towards someone else. You cannot love your neighbour as yourself without being merciful. But God is not simply watching what you do. He's watching our attitude. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 8, if it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Not grudgingly, cheerfully. Mercy means being kind to those who offend you. You've got to be more interested in winning people to Christ than in winning an argument. In Jude 1, 23, using God's word translation, it says, Show mercy to those who have doubts. Save others by snatching them from the fire of hell. Show mercy to others, even though you're afraid that you might be stained by their sinful lives. Mercy means bridging, building bridges of love to the unpopular. This is what might call premeditated mercy because you intentionally build friendships with people who don't have friends or who are not accepted at work or in society. When the Pharisees questioned why Jesus ate with the tax collectors and other unpopular people, Jesus said, I want you to show mercy. Not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, 
But those who know they are sinners in Matthew chapter 9 and verse 13. Let us then with confidence, we'll just say in Hebrews chapter 4, let us therefore approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We are forgiven because of God's mercy. And being found in appearance as a man, we hear of Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even on a cross. In 1 Timothy chapter 5, sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. As Paul says, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, for that very reason, I was shown mercy. So that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. Now to the King Eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honour and glory forever and ever. Amen. As we contemplate this week, for the good, the bad and the ugly that we face, let's all be merciful. For one reason only, so that the Lord will be magnified.